There's incredible personal freedom in truth, yet we spend so much of our lives showing up the way we think we should. The ways that will make our parents happy, our colleagues respect us, society at large accept us, and of course, the ways that will make us look good on Instagram and social media. In My Truth is the antidote to the shoulds. Be a fly on the wall as my guests and I dive into the untruths we're currently living with and work through them together in real time. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and as I recently updated my Instagram bio to read, I'm not one thing, but many. Professionally, I run Grow My Team. I'm one of the co-founders of the League of Extraordinary Women, but personally, I'm a lot more than that. Last year, I moved through a breakdown. I also moved through a breakup. I also changed my entire career professionally, sold my company, ended 17 years in financial planning, a lot of change. During this period, I had a strong calling to share what was going on for me, to share it publicly on my blog, on my social media. I don't know why, but I really felt that it was important to open up these conversations and share with people what was really happening behind the scenes of my life. This sharing resulted in a lot of people reaching out to me to have deep conversations. And I started imagining what would it look like if other people could listen in on these conversations? What healing could come from that? I knew that I was healing. I knew the people I was having conversations with were healing. And I really felt that if other people could listen to these conversations, to what was happening in real time, as we worked through things, that healing would come for many. And so on a drive from Vancouver to Colorado, a pilgrimage, I would say, where I was moving my life back to the state that has called my heart since the first moment I ever set foot in there, this podcast, In My Truth, was born. It feels healing and growing for me. I believe it's healing and growing for my guests. And I feel that there will be healing and growing for you, my listeners. So let's dive in. Welcome, loves, to this episode of In My Truth. Have a guest with me today, Jose Stradley, who was also with me at the recent ayahuasca retreat. If anyone listened to the last episode with Sarah Howard, we discussed a lot about our experiences with grandmother ayahuasca. And I am going to be doing a bit of a series on this because quite a few of my friends who were with me have wanted to talk about their experience, which is amazing because I know so many of you listening are interested in plant medicine and how I've worked with it. And just to hear other people's experiences, I think is so valuable because the experiences vary so much. And, you know, there is a saying that you get what you need from these medicines. And um, it's certainly interesting. I know before I went on my journey with working with the plants, it was like, I was very curious about these different experiences. And I knew I felt cold. I knew I wanted to do it. Um, but I didn't know what to expect. And there was a lot of fear around it. Fear that I don't necessarily have anymore. I'd probably call it apprehension still <laughs> anytime I go into ceremony. But um, yeah, if I can help people who are interested by sharing some of these conversations, and that's fantastic. So anyway, Jose, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Tell yeah, us thanks. a little bit about you. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, this is the first podcast I've ever done. So this will be interesting. I'm uh, <laughs> I've been really excited and nervous about it. A um, little bit about me. I'm a 31-year-old. Grew up in like rural Wyoming. Uh, working with my hands my whole life. Like a lot of blue-collar stuff. Um, just recently started a business with my best friend and his wife. We're uh, 
learning. Definitely doing a lot of learning the first year of it, but uh, just kind of always been like my parents have always been spiritual and it's been based in Christianity, but uh, always felt like I had a lot of questions and uh, listening to a lot of the podcasts that I'm sure some of us have in common with Aubrey, Joe Rogan, Kyle Kingsbury. Um, listening to those kind of like brought it out in me and like deep in the questions. And then uh, where you and I met through Fit for Service, that's, uh, that's kind of, I don't know if it's answered more questions than it's brought up, but it's been uh that's kind of been the last six, seven months of mine is really uh, focused around doing doing work on the spiritual side of things rather than the you know the material earthly side of my life. So it's been mm, kind of a thank you. Yeah, yeah, long long thirty one years and then it feels like the last eight months, like everybody is probably dragged on, but I felt like it couldn't have I feel like it went like perfectly timed the last eight months. You know, I haven't felt like anxious to do anything or like I'm stuck in anything, you know? Mm, that's amazing. I like what you said about, you know, when we go down this more spiritual path, like I don't know if it answers or creates more questions because I certainly yeah. feel that often and um, go through these moments of like, what does it all mean? Like really, really like I have all my theories and my ideas about the soul journey and all of that. And it gives me a level of peace, but then there's also like, but still what (laughs) and still why, but like the next layer, the next layer, like what, why are we even doing any of this? Like, why does the universe even exist? (laughs) Yeah. The how and the why is what keeps coming up for me. It's like, uh, I had done, UFO like six weeks prior to the ayahuasca experience and this whole year has been like just one after the other of first like my first ecstatic dance first breath work first uh Temescal and Tulum uh first like intentional mushroom ceremony first UFO first ayahuasca um but in UFO it's like you have all these notions of or I did anyway of like there being something bigger and what is its name like is it god yahweh krishna what is it but ufo very solidly cemented in me that there is something i have only begun to like tear the corner of the wrapping of it but uh that was a huge message for uh like as far as answering questions and bringing up new ones, that was like, it's interesting because like a all encompassing, like concrete knowing, but like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. you know, what and how and why and who it just uh, makes you more curious, I guess. It does. And I think the beautiful thing about spirituality versus religion and I went to church every day until I was, I think, 10, um, not every day, sorry, every Sunday, um, is like what I find my journey with spirituality is that there are no set answers. It's just, it's actually exploring it through your experience. So that's where you mentioned like that knowing that you 
um, felt through your Bufo experience that, okay, there is something else. I don't know what the name of it is. I don't know if I have to know the name of it or if I need to define it. Um, and I feel like I'm constantly just curious and asking questions about everything in my life. And that's the way that I um, approach spirituality and approach this journey of being a human and existing, whatever that is, versus religion tends to take so many of the same things that we feel and know, but it seems to be like, <clears throat> excuse me, it seems to be like a framework and a rule book. And like, it's trying to answer things that maybe are not answerable, um, potentially. So I don't know my, my journey, I think I've always been spiritual to one degree or another, but at a time rejected it because I thought it was religion and it's a little bit different, I think. And that's where I'm at now is I would say very spiritual and not very religious at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird how they don't go hand in hand. Um, no, it's so... I feel like it's like religion is created by humans, whereas spirituality just is. I mean, it's the it's the sun streaming through the trees. It's the, you know, the air we're breathing. It's the magic and the mystery and the perfection and the interconnectedness of everything that is so in some ways understandable, but in other ways, such a total mystery. Yeah. And that resonated, like you were saying just a second ago, where like in religion, it's like a framework. And I feel like part of one of the biggest challenges of my year has been breaking through that programming, not necessarily the idea of like capital R religion programming, but the notion that like they have all the answers. Like they're the ones you have to go for the answers, keep your head down and like don't dig too deep because all the answers are between these two covers of this book. Whereas mm -hmm. with the spiritual journey I've had so far this year, it's, I mean, it almost sounds cliche to say to this point, but all the answers are like in here and in here, like totally. these medicines are just keys to open the doors to it. And we're figuring it all out ourselves. You know, it's like, I felt pretty empowered, like in my own being and, you know, confident in myself before this year. But it's been a whole, uh, like a whole new level of autonomy as far as my, uh, like my overall well-being. Mm -hmm. Being able to figure things out for myself and not having to, you know, not going to Google to find out what everybody else did to do the thing. I've been able to go inside and learn to listen to my intuition, really. Like, you know what's best, just do you, and things are working out. It's been a phenomenal year spiritually, like business-wise, family, friends, everything. Everything has been so positive this year, and I think a lot of it is the, the journey I've been on. Yeah, and it's exactly as you said, it's listening to yourself versus thinking that, you know, what comes to me as you speak of it is the medical world. You know, I have had asthma my whole life and just believed that the doctors knew what, it, what was best. And, you know, it's been the last only year and a half since my very first ayahuasca experience, actually, that I discovered that I have a lot more answers inside myself about what this condition actually is and what triggers it. And, um, 
have had a lot of healing with it. You know, I've, I've actually more recently been experiencing some symptoms again. Um, but now I, I went for like a whole year without pretty much any symptoms. So now I'm like, okay, well, I have the evidence that, you know, this is not just something that I randomly have that I need to treat with medication. It's like, no, there's a reason why this comes up in you and it's emotional. Um, and so when I experience asthmatic symptoms now, I have to sit with myself and try to dig through my life and understand like what's coming up right now that's triggering me back to these feelings that I had in my childhood of maybe being a little bit out of control, not being worthy of love um, and wanting to, at a subconscious level, use the asthma to get that unconditional love that I didn't know how else to get. So how is that showing up in my life right now? Um, And that, yeah, so just as you're bringing that up, I feel like there's so much of our lives that we're looking externally for the answers, whether it's the Bible or our religious teachers, whether it's um, the government, doctors, like pretty much every area of our life, we can, there's this idea that they, they know better than we do. But actually when we come within, we can find all the answers because we are all connected to source. We all actually are source probably potentially. I don't know. (laughs) We're all one, you know, we're, we are God experiencing itself or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Anyway, I Go would love it. to hear about, <laughs> I would love to hear about um, your, when we sat in circle recently, it was your first experience with ayahuasca, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So I would love to hear about your experience and where you're at now. Okay. Um, that's been kind of one of the biggest uh like challenges as far as like putting it into words, I guess, just cause, you know, being newer to this and the concepts behind, you know, collective conscious and like trying to introduce that to friends and family that I explain it to. It's just been like, it's so broad and uh, like so many levels and different experiences within the you know that five hour framework or whatever it may be it was uh the first night for me sorry i'll just try i'll just try to do it um the first night give me your best uh, shot (laughs) yeah i felt like it was almost like getting acquainted with uh being in that space and with grandmother and extremely gentle what I thought was purging was uh, actually just my stomach being upset because I was so hungry at the end of it. Um, but it was just a lot of experiential, like this is, you know, how you operate, how your body functions on it. Uh, like extremely objective, the experience was. Not a lot of, uh, you know, excavating emotionally or spiritually, just kind of uh, venturing into the space. And then, uh, did you, sorry to stop you there, but I'm just yeah, curious, sure. did you, did you feel like, was that kind of like your analytical mind just sort of understanding and making sense of what the medicine space is, do you think, or I did you feel guided in that experience or? I, I did feel guided, um, is extremely reassuring and, uh, like the very first experience within the ceremony was, uh, 
went into like child's pose. And when I put my arms out in front of me, I dove my head down in between them. And it was like, like my arms created a gateway into infinity. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. And like, I just dipped my head down into there and it was incredible. It was like, I was in, uh, like an infinite structure that reminded me of like the Tesseract on, uh, at the end of Interstellar. So it's just like fractals and shapes around me, but there was very definitely, uh, like other consciousnesses or other presences there with me. Um, and the only thing I can really compare it to was it was like we were hanging out playing a video game but the video game was Jose. And so like I was passing the controller to them as the owner of the console. And they were like, they were getting to feel what my blanket felt like and what it's like to wiggle your toes and like stretch your back. Um, it was just, yeah, extremely like, uh, yeah, like friendly, just uh, mm-hmm. like I was getting to know them. I was giving them a shot at Jose. And then uh, the rest of the night was kind of just more of that. I mean, figuring out, like I said, what it's like to go outside and take a leak or, you know, reach over and like embrace my my buddy Jonathan that was in there with us. Um, And then, you know, enjoy everybody else's experience. It went, there was one or two points where I think my analytical mind jumped in and said was like all right these were your intentions like try to think about those right now try to focus on those right now and it just it wasn't really organic so uh, she didn't really let me go there like one of them was kind of dark it was around the path with my brother and uh i thought about him and i fully recognized the uh you know that i wanted to work through that but it just you know, it, it just didn't come to me. It wasn't, it didn't well up inside me like I thought it would. But then it did come in night two, some more, uh, some deeper experiences. But it just felt like that first night was more of, a, you know, her holding my hand through uh, through the first experience together. Mm. I think that experience of um, what comes to me when you talk about the experience of the blanket and your body and, you know, taking a leak. And I think you said touching someone on the shoulder or whatever it is. It's like this potentially like feeling or realization that like we are not our bodies, but we are here experiencing this current human existence through these physical forms. And I've had, um, the, I've had some plant medicine ceremonies, one particularly with, um, psilocybin where, yeah, my hands, I, I just kept looking at my hands and like every bone and like bending them. And I, I mean, I, I don't use the video on these podcasts so people can't see me, but I'm holding okay. my hand up and just bending, bending every finger. And like, I would just, I just stared at it and I was like, wow, like this is just so fascinating, this thing. And, and having that appreciation for the fact that we are a consciousness, we exist somehow in our bodies, but also external of our bodies. Um, what was I reading recently? I can't remember what it was, but it was like exploring the fact that 
you know, if someone does pass away, their body's right there, but we can't unzip them and see what's inside them. We can see blood and bones and things, but we can't see like their memories and their feelings and emotions and their joy. And all of that like exists at a level that's not visible, whether someone's alive or not. Like we can't, we can't see it, but it's in their spirit. It's in their soul. It's in their consciousness. So I don't know, that just came to me because I, ever since I started working with the medicines, you know, I have a different gratitude and appreciation and experience of being in my human form and just being able to, you know, obviously on in ceremony or sometimes in meditation, it can be quite visceral and obvious, but even to just be able to take it into our everyday life and just remember in every moment, like, wow, I have these hands and these feet and this body. And I was hiking last weekend with Joe. We did like a 12 mile overnight hike and, you know, the the pack was hurting my back and things like that. And then I was thinking, well, just try to, you know, you are not your pain and this body is like a car. It's a vehicle, like you're inside and it's taking you there and just playing with some of that, those concepts to try to supersede the pain, which didn't work very well, but <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I uh, digress. Tell us about night two. Um, night two, yeah, like I said, went quite a bit deeper. I think I may have a uh, slower metabolism for the medicine. I think that came up night two. I I thought it might have been the case after night one, but I just went ahead with everybody else. And then uh, I was, you know, seeing some visuals and whatnot and like diving, kind of dipping into my heart space, but I still wasn't like fully experiencing the medicine by the time she called for second. So I was like, oh yeah, I absolutely, like I need to do second. So uh, I went up and just sat at that uh, crystal bowl of rose petals and waiting. And then like, it's like sitting there and jumping into that energy brought the medicine on. And I was like, it all hit me with a flood. I was like, I think I have to crawl to her to get the medicine now that, now that I'm actually in this, but I still did. And then, uh, made it back to my space and uh, I've had a kind of a hard time recalling the exact sequence after that, but uh, I, somehow I wound up in a space of uh, like complete vulnerability and uh, like fragile, shy, I'm not sure the exact word for it, but I was just, completely like afraid to be seen pretty much like it felt like I had handed over the reins like from night one handed the controller to somebody who had zero experience and like didn't want to mess up in front of everybody so I took my bucket and my tissues and retreated to that little living room that was off the main stage and I was in there solo for a while and just kind of like, I don't know, just completely distraught with like, what am I doing? I'm like, you know, I can't do anything right. Like, I know if I go in there, I'm going to trip or somebody's going to see me and judge me. And so I spent, I don't know how long in like that space. And then at one point, I really wanted my water. and. Um, 
I uh, I just said out loud, I was like, Brandon, one of the helpers there, Brandon, can you please bring me my water? And uh, he wasn't in the room or anything. I was just hoping that it would get out there to him somehow. And uh, 30 seconds later, he walks into the living room, looks at me, and keeps walking without my water. And I was like, oh, you're going to make me do this on my own, aren't you, man? So I, yeah, like I had to muster up the courage to venture back in there, grab my water and my blanket. And uh, then eventually it worked through, I worked through, there was actually another presence that came up in me that felt like not quite sinister, but like a Loki type, like trickstery. And I was like, no, I, I, I can't handle this right now. Like whoever's in me right now is, or whatever's in me right now is like too influenceable, like too exposed to really let somebody else in right now. And uh, so I had to work through it and I was like, the only way that I can keep that third one at bay is like, I got to get back in that room and get, and get the support from everybody else. They aren't going to judge me. You know that everybody is here for the same thing. And, uh, get back in there and I walk back in and uh, the music like immediately took me in and hugged me. And, you know, you just feel so safe in that space. And then uh, I had to like lay down and like let grandmother actually guide me and like work the medicine she'd been wanting to work after I finally submitted, you know, they're completely, like hers, I was wet bowl, I was wet clay. And uh, so she, I felt like, I don't know, for some reason it just felt like more of a stern, like disciplinary sitting for like the whole middle, roughly like three hours, as best I can tell, where I was being like pleading and like crying and asking her to like let me just let me out of this space and uh, then finally I was like I trust you I, I trust you with whatever you're doing with me right now like no matter what happens I know that like you have my best moment and I trust you and then as soon as like I said the word trust it was oh hey here's a tray of cookies or whatever you know your grandma does for you that always makes you feel better like it immediately mm. went to like nurturing, welcome back, like, and I sat up, felt really good, um, lighthearted, and then there were a couple people dancing in the middle of the space, and I was going into the whole thing, I was like, you know, you felt called to dance in other ceremonies, but you've always resisted it, and it's brought up a lot of nervous energy and, like, angst inside you when you resist it, so I was going into this weekend, I told myself, if you feel it, you have to. Like, if at any point you see dancing and you think, oh, I should do that, but there's no but, just do it. So I got up and started dancing. It was like super organic and uh, it was just beautiful. And then like that energy brought a couple other people into the circle. And it felt like, I'm pretty sure it was the case, but I think that kind of wound down the like medicine face with the ceremony if I remember right she called like after we were dancing 
she pretty much called us in for the flower for the rose ceremony mm. at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it was just like pure like comfort and bliss at the end. And I forgot to mention that about night one too. Like the uh, you know you said it brought it brings a gratitude to your human form and being a human. And uh, that was something that I realized at the end when I thought that I had an upset stomach and I was needing to purge. I was like, oh no, I'm just hungry. Like, but I love that. Like, I absolutely love this. Like, I was just so much more grateful to be in my human form at that point. Like, mm-hmm. it was good. The experience was good while it lasted, but you're so grateful to come back in to your body and be like, eat all this beautiful fruit and enjoy the bread and butter and the soup and the hugs and laughs and like it's yeah it was just pure gratitude and like love and my I even wrote down in my journal like I am in all capital letters in love with the whole human experience mm-hmm. and it's been a, that's been my biggest like takeaway and homework so far is remembering that in every little day thing you stub your toe you're like oh I get to feel that like I'm alive mm-hmm. oh that's so beautiful and I I feel like my experience and understanding of the term being in love has really broadened this year where we think of it so much as like being in a romantic partnership with someone that you love, you're in love. But no, being in love is, you know, essentially we can boil it down to two states. We're either in fear or we're in love. And being in a state of love is that gratitude for everything around you. And the energy feels expansive and Um, like we're exploring possibility and what's available to us in this creation land that we get to be in, which is pretty amazing. And then, you know, we, it's, if we apply that to our relationships, romantic or otherwise, it's, it's feeling that same energy in the relationship. This is expansive, you know, it's unconditional, it's um, making both of our lives better versus you know, we can sometimes say we're in love with someone and it can be toxic and (laughs) very contractual energy and not very enjoyable. So I'm really appreciative of my understanding and my everyday choice to be like in a state of love. And of course I get into my, you know, moments where fear creeps in and all of that, but to know that I can come back to that state and that that really is a choice all of the time, even when things are challenging, it's like, okay, this is challenging and I don't feel good right now, but you know, how can I choose to respond differently? How can I choose to look at it differently? Where's the gratitude? What is good? All of that. Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, finish. No, no, you go. I want to hear what you're going to say. (laughs) And also it like, it, uh, like most things, just having that awareness of, oh, this is fear creeping in. Let's try to be in love right now. Even just the trying and the switching that fear off. Even if you don't make it all the way into love in that moment, then like just that progress is is the work. I mean, essentially, if you break it down to like a binary thing, the work is trying to be more in love than in fear. And that's, totally. that's been such a huge awareness for me. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so I was going to say, it sounds like, like the common thread that I picked up through you sharing your journey was something there about, um, 
you know, that pushing past like what other people will think or that the insecurities that we all have that were showing up for you when you went into the room and, and then the like commitment to dance, if you wanted to dance and all of that, like, did you, do you feel like you had a breakthrough in that area or how has that, how are you integrating that part of the experience? I do feel like that. It's been, uh, I've always been super analytical and like, even just in social settings, like, you know, I have good friends and we all trust each other. And I know that, you know, when we rag on each other, it's just part of, you know, a camaraderie. But it has always been like, uh, I've always put the title around it, living intentionally, intentionally, like as to what people will think of me, you know, as a member of this community or like as a business owner or whatever it may be. But the more... I've gotten into the space integrated, even from this specific ceremony. Um, the living intentionally has to do with a whole greater truth than, you know, what Joe Schmo down the street thinks about, you know, like mm-hmm. being outside and meditating in the morning or like doing yoga. Like it doesn't matter what the neighbor thinks about me. It matters what I think about me. And in turn, like if I put another term or phrase that's like come up for me is the only way to get truth back from anybody, the universe, whatever, is to put truth out there. So, so true. Those daily practices are, you know, me for lack of a better term, living my truth. So in return, I'm going to receive that truth that I see, whether you know, with the dirty look from the neighbor or like getting called a dirty hippie by my friends or whatever. It's like, they're coming around. I mean, you know, I'm happier. They see that. And then they think, Oh, Hey, by the way, let's go to yoga next Tuesday, man. Or, you know, let's, let's work in a morning flow or whatever. Like it's, uh, that's been a huge one is being able to live in my truth. And, uh, Come, uh, like, just cool to see other people feel invited without a, you know, an outright invitation. Yeah. And I feel like in my experience of that, which, I mean, we're talking about literally the name of the podcast and why it all started was because I got to a point in my life where I had a breakdown because I'd been trying to show up for everybody and everything else in this world in the way that I thought I was meant to. And you know, my shadow kept busting out, which created more shame and more pain and everything. And me stepping into my truth was a journey of sharing everything, all of the shadow and all of the light with everybody. And out the other end of that was my freedom and my liberation. And what I've experienced, you know, as you were saying, like put truth out there and you get truth back. It's like once you're in that vibrational frequency of truth, you can feel it with somebody else. So even if somebody literally is lying to you, you can see the truth. You can see it. And it's amazing because you even have compassion for their lies because it's like, I know exactly what the real story is here and it's okay. Like, so it's, it's really fascinating, um, the journey and just so liberating and so freeing because I think when we're on that different vibrational frequency, it feels like everything's messy because all of our energetic channels between us and everyone and everything else in the world is muddy and messy because we're trying to be what we think everybody wants us to be. When we just show up as we are, 
there's, it's a clear energy channel. It's everything is completely clear. So we can then receive information energetically with clarity. That's how I kind of explain it in my also very analytical mind. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And I've seen it. um, One relationship in particular is uh, the business that I own with my friend and his wife is like house flipping, real estate investing. And uh, uh, one of my business partners, her father, does a lot of painting and some audits jobs for us um and, and i for the longest time had like reservations about it for whatever reason i don't even know but then like i would find little nitpicky things like that he did and i'm like hey you know like this is you know like this little thing you know we need to talk about this but i would never really bring it up it's just like i would just point out the flaws instead of bringing it up to him and being like hey you know, next time we'll focus on this, next time we'll do this. And uh, part of that, you know, living my truth has been being more transparent with him and being like, hey, hey, Mark, yeah, I mean, you know, let's do this this time. And uh, I always felt like a weird energy for whatever reason, like when I would interact with him before. And I didn't know what it was. It was a reservation, of course. But now that I'm putting that truth it's like I took the weight off my own shoulders. You know, I was the only one holding like our relationship and our communication back. So now that I'm, you know, meeting him where he is, it's that much easier. And it's like, I, that one has been like the big, brought the biggest amount of awareness to, uh, oh, as like putting always. that into the world. Yeah. yeah. It's like, everything is a mirror. Like whatever we feel that uncomfortable or that, something's not right here or this is a bit strange. It's like, how can we turn back and look at ourselves and find like, where is that within ourselves? It's, it's so wild, but powerful. It's like a compass for your own work when you're feeling these things. It's like, okay, I just want to question myself. Like, am I being in my fullest truth right now? If I feel this person isn't like something's off, something's whatever, like, where am I not? Because no doubt we'll probably find it. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of that whole concept of like, every, you know, we're a mirror for everybody. Everybody's a mirror for us. It's like, I see these things, little nitpicky things that I find about anything in life. And then the next moment, I'll like, I'll mess up painting something or I'll mess something up and make a, and, you know, fumble something. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I complain about that person doing that because I know that I do this and like, mm-hmm. I don't want me to do this. So I don't want them to do that. And it's yeah, just like, whatever we find frustration in others is usually something we find frustration or judgment or whatever it is in ourselves. And when we can learn to release it and accept that we're also not perfect and we're going to make mistakes, all of a sudden it becomes okay for everybody else to. Oh yeah. And everything is like, becomes funny to me now. It's like, you know, I'll do one thing and like mess up and hit my head on something. I'll be like, oh, geez, that's like, that's what you get, you know? You just have to laugh at yourself for all these little mishaps and things. The most amazing thing about this work and this journey is just how over time you keep doing the work. It's like life just becomes so much simpler. It just becomes so much simpler, so much easier, so much easier to stay in love and in gratitude 
And out of that drama, fear, kind of scarcity, worry, headspace that is pervasive when we think that the world is outside of us and it's all happening outside of us versus the fact that the world is inside of us. Every single thing is going through a filter of of us, of who we are and we're interpreting, analyzing, making a story and making sense of it. Um, and we often look to other people to kind of validate that story. And if you want to play that game, most of the people will play it with you. So it's pretty easy to do. Um, but it's not empowering. It doesn't shift anything. Life will never get better through complaining and finding the other people to validate your story. Life gets better when you start looking internally, looking inward, asking yourself you know, where that thing is within you. And then all of a sudden it starts to dissipate. When we find the core of, of whatever it is, it's like it re- all its power is gone. It releases all of its power over us. It's amazing. Yeah, it's... Uh... When you say that, like life gets easier, it's almost like the more complicated and the more questions you bring up and answer in your work in like the spiritual space, it's uh, it's like it makes human life more binary. Like mm-hmm. you know that love and fear binary factor is like you just like oh I'm answering all these questions about this big stuff, all this like earthling mundane thing it's so simple just totally just be you know and I think that back to like when I used to you know worry about what other people thought and and show up in that way it was like everything meant so much like everything meant something every interaction I had with someone there was so much meaning on it and I would think about it and ruminate on it whereas now something will happen and it's just like uh, I'm not even going to begin to imagine what their experience is and why that went down the way it is. I'm just going to let it go. Or sometimes I might be able to see like, oh, that's their abandonment wounding or that's their betrayal wounding or this is my abandonment wounding or my betrayal wounding. Like I feel triggered because of X. And really it's like the Sarah feels triggered. Like the Sarah's having this experience because of what happened in a past life or ancestral or her own trauma or whatever. But like, it's not, necessarily real it doesn't necessarily have the meaning that Sarah thinks it has right now it's just you know something that's happening when you can macro out to that bigger perspective which is what you know ayahuasca especially has really helped me see um it's like all of a sudden you can let things go and you can just let it all dissipate yeah and uh you know it's funny you bring up like referring yourself as Sarah because that was a big one just in uh, the integration from Aya. It's, uh, I find myself referring to myself in my journal as Jose, you know, from like the witness perspective, it's like, you know, and then Jose did this or this happened to Jose. And it's uh, just kind of a like interesting awareness that I've found is uh, putting yourself in the perspective of the witness, you know? where it's not, you know, you don't get wrapped up in the emotions of things. You can look at mm-hmm. it and say, oh, this happened. Like this didn't happen to me. This didn't happen to somebody else. It just happened. And now how do we get past it? How do, what's the next thing we do? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like, it's still, 
you're not there all the time. Like this morning, as in early hours of the morning, I was awake. I'm about to do another capital raise for my company. And, you know, whenever I'm doing these things in my business, going to the next level, like I have the usual doubts and things come up. And I was awake in the middle of the night, tossing and turning, thinking about the raise, facing my doubts of like, who am I to do this? And who's going to invest? And am I sure? And, you know, and then afterwards when I fell back asleep and woke up this morning, you know, it was like, okay, well, yeah, Sarah was going through that, but like, it's, it's okay. And it's a normal part of the process that those things are going to come up and now we keep moving forward. Like, so it's not, you know, I'm certainly not at a place where I'm always able to be in that witness seat, but it feels like I can come around to it much faster. And at least I have the awareness now that that's always what's going on. Like nothing is ever, nothing is real. This whole place is made up. Like as real as we feel might make it feel, you know, even, and I'm curious to hear, you mentioned your brother who's passed and I'm curious to hear how, if the experience on, on in ceremony recently kind of helped with any of that or whatever. But I know from my side, I lost my dad seven years ago and, you know, he's come to me in dreams and in ceremony as well. And I'm definitely in a much more peaceful place with death and the passing and even of my own death, which is something I struggled with my entire life. And I wouldn't say I'm completely comfortable with it, but you know, I can definitely see a progressive path to being more comfortable and more accepting and understanding of, you know, the bigger picture of us being an infinite being and all being connected and all being one and all of that. So it's helped me kind of reconcile what can at times feel like, you know, very real and very a very troubling human experience and a very real thing. It's easy for us to talk about witnessing the stress of a capital raise, but like witnessing the stress of someone passing is, is, can be quite dif- different, but yeah. How was your experience with that? Was there anything that came, um, that you had wanted to, did you get what you wanted or needed? I suppose. Um, in, yeah, long to, yeah, to answer the question. Yes. And initially it came up for me in the sense that it wasn't just my brother that I guess I had questions about with grieving, but uh, it's actually kind of interesting this came up because just Saturday, uh, my friend and I were talking about, you know, funerals and how they come up. And he's the same age as me. He's like, I don't think I've ever been to a funeral. And I was like, dude, he's wow. 31. Like, mm. um, and I started counting and I was like, I got nine right now. That I'm I, in like, your boat. I'm in your camp. I've I've been to far too many that I would yeah, exactly. like. And I always find it fascinating when, when people haven't. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I don't know if you're lucky or not. Like at this point, I'd probably say I'm grateful to be on this end of it because I've, I'm at a much more peaceful place, but it was, it's been rough. You know, my journey with dealing with death since I was around 14, 15, it's, it's been rough. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if it's always been the case. I lost both of my dad's parents. One when I was really young and she had Alzheimer's for basically my entire life. So I never really knew her. Um, and then my grandfather, her husband passed when I was 12. And I lost another grandfather, two grand, two more grandfathers. And then uh, my brother was like the last one 
it was immediate family. And that was six years ago. And I just, I didn't like, truly mourn. I don't know if it was watching my father. I know he's mourned and uh, I've seen him cry over it and stuff, but I just, it just didn't. And I always, you know, chalked it up to, oh, you need to be strong for mom and like, you know, be there for your mom and sisters and that kind of stuff. But then at the same time, I could, uh, like at the drop of a hat, I could think about it and cry if I wanted to. But it was like in the moments when, you know, you're quote unquote supposed to be mourning it. I wasn't. And I just had a lot of questions about that. And I had just been reading uh, or listening to rather Sacred Contract. And uh, part of my intentions going into it were, you know, what's next for me? Like what if, if I'm coming to source? with, you know, questions and my next task, what is that? And then another one was obviously based around warning my brother and why, you know, why I didn't feel like I felt as deeply as I should have over it. Um, and that weekend, I thought that, like, one of my former contracts was to be witness to, like, the human experience and to just, take it all in and be somewhat indifferent towards it. but Almost like hold it for everybody else or something? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Be like mm-hmm. a holder of space for those around me. Um, so I think that may have played into it because a major download I got from night one and night two, the way they both just wound up in such like beautiful, happy, camaraderie, emotion. Um, I knew that like my purpose moving forward part of it is to uh or part of my homework i guess is to just fully feel everything like don't be afraid to jump in with somebody and laugh cry whatever um just do all the human things and then uh i kind of uh made that tied that into my brother where you know my first part of my life was to be a witness and I was supposed to feel everything, but then it was through actually journeying, uh, journaling with God these prompts that uh, it just hit me one one night writing, and it was like you never. Okay, so I got to backtrack a little bit. My brother was in and out of uh, incarceration most of my life, most of his life. He was fifteen years older than me, and uh, he was in and out of incarceration most of his life a lot of drugs and like ugliness. There were stints where, you know, he didn't talk to any of the family. And then I had all but written him off at the point. And he actually died of an overdose of heroin in prison. And, uh, seeing there wasn't closure there. And, you know, my mindset around him was in a dark place when he passed. Um, and working through that with the journaling and the integration ceremony, it just hit me that I didn't, I didn't have anything to mourn. I didn't, I didn't mourn his death because I never celebrated his life. And then, like immediately, I have a mirror in my room where I write, you know, different things on it, projects I have going on, intentions, and things. And I wrote on there, you know, every day celebrated for Travis, like 
light in people's lives. I mean, his funeral, there was a packed Catholic cathedral. Like, there were, yeah, there was no shortage of love and like gratitude for him there. I just, I just chose not to see it. So, you know, hopefully as of a week ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I see it and it makes me smile. I do, I go out and try to, uh, you know, be more cognizant of the celebration of life and uh, you'll be grateful to him for bringing that awareness. Mm, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for I think it's, giving space. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And I think death is and can be, I should say, not is. It can be such a complex experience because there is all of that uh, the feelings and emotions around who we thought and felt and how we felt about the person while they were living and how we feel about them now. And, you know, there's, I have, um, something that, you know, I think I've, I've reconciled now, but for a long time, you know, and you hear it, it's very common, but like the last time I saw my dad, I like made him wait in my office cause I was on a call. And this was back in my day when I was so busy all the time. I was so important that I was running late, you know, sometimes by an hour for everything in my life. And dad came to have a coffee with me and I had left him and he was chatting with my receptionist for, I don't know, 20 or 40 minutes. And we ended up having a really rushed coffee because I had another me- meeting. So I was so important. And, you know, obviously he passed away a couple of days later and um, it was just like, wow, that, that rec- having to reconcile that, you know, I hadn't taken all the time that I could with him or, and judging myself for who I was and all of that. So I think that's, it's a different example to what you were feeling, but I think just honoring the complexity that comes with who someone is when they're alive to us and who they are when they've passed and how those feelings can change. And also how I think sometimes we can stop ourselves from mourning and grieving. because of stories that we might tell ourselves about who they were or the circumstances under which they passed away or whatever it might be. So really honor you for, you know, continuing to do the work to understand and reconcile what happened. And it sounds like you've really uncovered some new layers now, which is beautiful. Yeah. Like you said, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's more questions, a lot of clarity, but more questions. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Always. <never end. laughs> oh, well, this has been such a fabulous conversation. Um, do you feel like you have anything more to share before we finish up? How's your integration been going? Where are you at right now? It's been going really well, finding a lot of stillness, um, you know, keeping space for, uh, yeah, just for dropping into that reflection, the ceremony. Um, no, I feel like. I mean, I still have, I mean, God, these journal prompts are monsters. So I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. working through those. And I actually, I forgot my journal that I had at the ceremony at the house. So I just got it back yesterday. So I finally, I have like a whole new set of, uh, set of information to work with here. You know, that was what I put down to fresh my mind. I did the best I could in the last couple of weeks with uh, just memories, but just going through my notes yesterday and today is like 
there's so much more to do as there always is, you know? Yeah. I think, and it's so amazing. Like every time we go through with somebody or in a journal or, you know, kind of going back to what we wrote then to what we write now or how we might explain something about a plant medicine ceremony or I guess any psychedelic ceremony or even a dream to be honest, or maybe even an actual situation in life, you know, so much more comes of it. Like we start to unpack and understand different parts. I found that particularly after my first um, very profound experience with the grandmother, which was my third ever ceremony. You know, I told the story over and over again and it became clearer and I would get more stuff out of it every time I talked about it. It was like I would understand another piece or another part. It was really really amazing. Um, and a couple of times you mentioned Godsey's journal prompts. So I'll see if I can get a hold of them. But our friend Eric Godsey, who does have a course on journaling, also has some really amazing journaling prompts to go through when you've been in ceremony. It c- kind of covers like what you were doing in the lead up and your intentions and how your ceremony was. And it's a really amazing process to help with integration. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it really sets up I've noticed it sets up a context for, you know, going into each ceremony and then helps you reflect on like the immediate moments after ceremony closes, mm-hmm. quote unquote. And then like the next morning, I feel dream and all that. He's just, he's with it. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's just such an amazing experience. Like it is much more than just the five hours you're in ceremony or whatever it might be. It's, it's the weeks leading up. It's the weeks after. I mean, it's the rest of your life after. Like, it really does change you. Um, oh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, and without arrogance, Joe and I talk about, you know, there's two types of people in the world. There's those who have drunk ayahuasca and there's those who haven't. <laughs> and it, it's said lightheartedly, but um, it, it does feel like there's a connection between us. And, you know, I felt when we were in ceremony with our friends, about half of us, had sat with the grandmother before and about half of us hadn't. And at the end of retreat, it was like, wow, like we're all bonded in a new way now. Um, and it, it feels like not a bond through, okay, we've done the same thing. We've had this experience. It literally feels like a connection, like this golden yeah, like of connection. Mm-hmm. The same, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like vibrating right now, as I say, <laughs> yeah. that. Like it's really, it's really wonderful. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has just been such a beautiful conversation. I honor you and all the work that you do. And I honor you showing up in your truth and just, you know, using that analytical mind, I would say, to continue to dig and ask those questions. And, you know, we'll probably never find the answers, but we certainly dig away the layers and become more peaceful, more content, more just grateful for this human experience. I can see that in you as a mirror. I'm taking it as a mirror to what I see in myself. So thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation to be on here. Um, as it was beautiful. Like even just in this, you know, I'm, I'm going to draw so much from this, just verbalizing it using you as a mirror. Uh, yeah, it was an incredible experience. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you.